Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the unaired pilots of 1999 from way too close to the sun here in 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Cove. And today, as I said in the intro, we're doing an unaired pilot. So this goes completely against our manifesto. I don't know about that. Well, it's not. we were going to do every, mo- every movie released theatrically. But now we're doing a all things that was never released anywhere, and that we're expanding our purview of 1999 in terms of all things pop culture in 99. For sure, for sure, and and I suggested this. I yeah. think this is a, a really interesting cultural moment. Totally, it's directed by a huge, huge movie director, star yeah. and yeah. a very big director, yeah. Ben Stiller. Stars a movie, movie star, star. <laughs> two movie stars, two, two movie stars. It stars you know Ron Silver. It was his <laughs> first role. He was playing himself. Um, and the only time he played himself, but yeah, yeah. And Vincent Scavelli and true. Christine Taylor. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. Yeah, I mean, I think those are basically the only those are the people who have there. lines in the in the show. And uh, oh, and Ben Stiller is the DJ. And um, yeah, it uh, eats and some this, strippers that got you know turned into sand. Turned into sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do we talk about Heat Vision and Jack? I mean, it's let's do our best. We will, yeah. I mean, I, I have to say that this pilot is like has a mythos around mm-hmm. it. Do you know what I mean? When when I moved out here, I remember what year was that? I moved out here in two thousand five. Okay, and I'm working at UTA where the two stars at the time they might still be for all I know were repped mm-hmm. at UTA. Um, Dan Harmon, also UTA, like all, and Rob Schraub, like this was, this was a big UTA project, Ben Stiller, all these people are UTA people. So it, it felt like this thing that everyone internally was like, how did that didn't, how, 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 how could that not have gone to series? That was six years later. People are still talking about, still talking about this thing. And, and you're, and I didn't even watch it at the time. It just people kept talking about it like it was so crazy, and I can't believe that this thing didn't happen and, and didn't go to series. Look at all these movie stars now. Look at all these TV creators now. Look at you know Ben Stiller now, and it and it's, it's true. And I right guess. around two thousand and five, I think two thousand and four, right around there, two thousand six, that was when YouTube was born. Yes, and it shows up on YouTube. Yeah, so people start to see this pilot, and like you know what, it's good. But it's I get not why revolutionary, <laughs> but. Actually, it is revolutionary. Let's let's. <laughs> but it's not in terms of the necessarily. I, I watched it from a television point of view. Yes, I watched it, and I thought to myself, "There's there isn't a series here. 
It like, would have been the same every episode. It would have been. It, it's just there's there, there was like I, I and again maybe I was being too. I had my my exact hat on as I was watching it, but I was watching it thinking like they barely found a way to really fold Heat Vision into the story. You know, it, it was clear that like they, there were real limitations to having your one of your main characters be a motorcycle. It, it, yes. it, it, it and so by the end of it, I'm thinking to myself like. They they've kind of used all of the various motorcycle you know things they can do. So let's do a couple things. Yeah, let's describe <laughs> what this is, yeah, sure. and then let's sure. do our best to describe this as this is our first uh, kind of this yeah. is our first television show, which yeah, is yeah, a yeah. television yeah, show. Yeah. Let's kind of give our listen listeners an overview of um, the the television development process. Sure, sure. What sure. we think happened here. Well, um, it it this was this is sort of. Typical and atypical at the same time in its own weird way. Like I was – I you know, obviously did some research onto it and, and there was things that I – that you and I both gleaned I imagine from being uh, within the walls of UTA. But the pilot was written for ABC mm-hmm. um, but they passed on it mm-hmm. and then NBC and Fox had a bidding war for it and Fox won it. But I, I want to go even more okay. kind of basic. Okay. Just, just, yeah. just run through what it means to – to have a pilot, like I think there might be some listeners who don't even understand what we're reviewing. Yeah. Okay. So, Go ahead. Uh, well, so basically, the the basic process for having a television show, the, the the typical process is a, and you know there are a lot of different ways this happens, especially today. But we're talking about 1999. A writer will generally come up with a concept, a pitch, or a script. Uh, they will partner with some other entity, a production company. A director doesn't have to be, but often, you know, a star doesn't have to be any of these things. Writers can go alone. They take it into a studio. Mm -hmm. Studios are like 20th Century Fox, Disney, Viacom, I think Paramount at the time. The the studios that make movies, Mm -hmm. um, that studio will then buy it or make an if-come deal. Basically, the, the studio will agree to finance it if it gets picked up by a network. Then from there, they will take it to all the networks. At this point, there were really only four viable networks, ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC. This probably didn't have a home on UPN or CW, and there really wasn't any – this would not have been a cable show um, at the time. Cable just wasn't – didn't have the budgets to make this kind of show. Now it would be a streaming show probably in a heartbeat. Definitely. Yeah. But <laughs> stay, the, even like a TBS or you know, kind of a big uh, – a deep-pocketed – cable network couldn't really make a show like mm-hmm. this and even an hbo hadn't started up in in earnest they had done you know sex and city and oz and yeah the sopranos just starting up but this really only had four potential homes they sold it to one abc yes abc i don't know what studio it was like uh, I, I i'm trying to sort of glean it but i couldn't i couldn't seem to find that information out so it's fine but i mean either way they, ma- they made it for a studio they made it for a studio the studio sold it to abc abc Correct. passed on probably the script yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say whether this was a, a put pilot. I would be surprised if it was, but it's so, possible. Put pilot is, is a pilot that you will get paid for either way, right? So they're basically giving you a pilot commitment. They're saying we are going to shoot it. this, and if we don't, we're going to pay penalty. you a lot of money. Yes. So I don't I don't know. It's possible that that, w- that with these entities, they had the ability to be able to, you know, it's. I guess what I'm saying is, it's possible this was shot. I think this was shot it, for Fox. Right. That's what I think too. So I think ABC passed on the script. Correct. And they shot it for Fox. Correct. Now, they, I think they had offers from NBC and Fox and Fox picked it up and shot the pilot. Now, there are a few unusual things about this. Yeah. There are a million unusual things about this. <laughs> the first being this was created by Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub. Correct. Both of whom are very successful TV writers. In my opinion, Dan Harmon is one of the five best TV writers of all time. Um. And Community is one of the greatest shows ever made and the best. 100%. One one of the three best written comedies I can think of. Um, He goes so deep. And I was going to kind of counter your your point about this not having legs because Harmon has proved to me that he can – He can find – yeah. I don't mean to – I didn't mean that in a denigrating sense. I just – Who knew is the point. Yeah. Who knew that he would be the guy who could ring four seasons out of Community and ring – Six seasons out of Rick and Morty. Totally, totally, totally. So, uh, so Harmon and Schraub were in their late twenties at the time. They had never done any. They just did some shorts. That's basically thing. They were comedy guys from Wisconsin. Yep, yep, yep. They were they were doing 
They were doing improv in Wisconsin or sketch in Wisconsin. They were nobodies. Yep. Stiller finds them. Stiller wants to do the show with them. Stiller again is like he had just done something about Mary, but like Stiller was not a big director. No. He did Cable Guy, which was a failure. Love Cable Guy. Failure. And <laughs> wow. And uh <laughs> and um but Stiller, you know, Stiller's the kind of guy you're gonna take a chance on if you're Yeah, it's it's it, it, it you know, it's funny. I'm looking at, at Harmon's credits, you know, post Heat Vision and Jack. You know, he's got a show called Computer Man that I, I've never seen. Jack Black was a uh, it, it was a Channel 101 thing, which, oh, okay. I, which I will be getting into as well. And and Laser Fart is that also Channel 101? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's just you know, listen, we we could we could talk about Dan Harmon all day, but I, we, we he, will. Well, That's like yeah. the main thing to talk about with this. Yeah, show. <laughs> it, it is. But I, I mean, just in the sense that it's he's he's a fascinating guy. Um, he's a brilliant guy. He's a he's a complicated guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very he, complicated. He's guy. very complicated. He he's he's aware of his faults. Extremely open. Very open about talking about his his various things, and 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 I think that that's I think that's commendable to a certain degree. And I, yeah, and I think that this 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 show this pilot really births a genius. And and gives him and Schraub the opportunity to be able to really kind of build on their very esoteric, very specific vision of things. And they probably benefited from it being not picked up. I agree. I want to make one more point about Harmon yeah. that I think is necessary. Harmon was called out uh, kind of in the midst of the Me Too movement by yeah. um, one of his community writers, yeah. Megan Gans, who's like super fucking accomplished in her own right. She's yeah. an onion writer and then went out to do Modern Family. And um, I don't want to get into the details of it, uh, and there's no, there's there, there's no real way to kind of excuse what he did. What he did, we've all been in writer, not we've all, all us writers have been in writers' rooms where things have gotten weird between a male showrunner and a female employee, and that's what happened. And he uh, he kind of sexually harassed her without realizing what he was doing, and um, put her in really awful situations that uh were all kind of a um they 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 were, he abused his power is really what it came comes down to and i don't think he i i think he basically he did a long podcast about what he did um that was essentially a, an apology and a mea culpa but um and i think megan gans wound up uh accepting the apology yeah she did yeah. but um he's a troubled guy and I think he recognizes that. And uh, I don't want to just sit here and blow him up um, or build him up without acknowledging that that happened and that it wasn't good and that, you know, this could have gone a lot worse. This could have been a Louis C.K. situation where yeah. Megan Gantz left the industry like a lot of people did or Matt Weiner where – I forgot what the writer's name is. Um, who, who? Yeah, the one who stopped writing. The one who stopped writing. And- uh, Gordon. Uh, Cater Gordon. Gordon. And she kind of devoted her life to like helping women who've been yeah. sexually harassed. Um, that didn't happen, fortunately, for us because Megan Gans is like a treasure. Yeah. But um, that happened. And I think he's, you know, I, I hope he's learned from it. And I want to kind of really separate the artist from the art in this situation because uh, if you've seen Community or if you've seen Rick and Morty, you know he's not your typical comedy writer. Um, he gets at something a lot deeper, a lot more existential than most comedy writers do. And, uh, the amount of kind of, the amount of fulfillment I've taken from his work, I, I, it's, it's hard, it's hard for me to kind of like square that with, with the, the way he's been known to act in rooms and to writers beyond just Megan. Yeah. It's like, we've heard. There have yeah. been a lot of bad stories about him, the way he runs a room and the way, you know, it's it's, it's a seven day a week, 24 hour a day job. Um, so it's hard. This is like kind of a hard thing to talk about, but I, 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 I want that out there and I just kind of want to move on and just talk about how influential this pilot is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with, you know, with everything that you were saying. I, you know, we've, I, I too have heard, you know, lots of stories about what it's like to, to work with him and for him. And, and uh, you know, I think that Kenny and I, it's like – it's a it's a stupid hard business and 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 yeah. really talented people 
um, are given free reign to do things that they probably shouldn't in the name of art and, com- and commerce. And, and that's, you know, that's a problem. But, you know, in terms of the, this, this specific pilot and this, this thing, I think we'd be remiss to not acknowledge the problems that it created for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, uh, you know, it, it birthed a, a, a genius in its own way too. And, you know, as we said in the teaser in the last episode, for, for, for something that wasn't actually made or sorry, aired. Yeah. The footprint it's left is crazy. Can't think of, can't yeah. think of a television show that's as influential. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> so, I mean, I wrote a, I wrote a quick list of, of the things mm-hmm. I think that this is directly responsible for. <laughs> Channel 101, which I'll get into in a second, The Lonely Island, Bill Hader, Tim and Eric, Sarah Silverman Show, Community, Adult Swim in its entirety, uh, Wonder Shows in. I think there's DNA in Louie and Atlanta. Sure. um, 21 Jump Street and all of the Lord and Miller stuff. Yep. Vaporwave, shitposting, and also Rick and Morty. Um, so a lot of UTA projects. So, yeah, like UTA's entire comedy, <laughs> entire comedy, entire comedy brand, brand is off of is this thing. from this thing. Yeah. And then like you go beyond Tim and Eric to everything like they've done, or yeah. really that you know Tim is well, both of them have yeah. done so much like stuff like that. Obviously, the Lonely Island has been incredibly important, and influential. Um, and for those of you who don't know what Channel One Hundred One is, which I'm guessing is most people, do you know what it is, Phil? Uh, I remember it. I mean, it still I did, exists. I did. Oh really? Yeah. I, I this was I get Channel 101 and Acceptable TV mixed up. So It's very similar. So okay. But but explain just Channel 101 was uh the Shrab and Harmon's next project after this failed. And it's not like a project in terms of like uh, a television show or a movie. They started a website before the web was really a big thing called channel101.com and every week, or sorry, every month they hosted a live viewing of five-minute pilots from anybody. Anybody could. Anybody could. Yeah, anybody could this. could enter. Um, and the people who came out of this include the Lonely Island, who had a show called The Boo, which was a spoof of the OC, which was fucking brilliant. Justin Roiland, who created Rick, Rick and Morty, Morty yeah. but had House of Cosby's, which was about a House oh, of Bill Cosby's, yeah. which was brilliant. Um, didn't age well. Uh, the most famous, the most well, it's not his fault. <laughs> I know. Actually, it did age well. I would say because uh, <laughs> it was it's even better. Now. It was not a sympathetic portrayal no, of Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> um, prescient, uh, very prescient. Um, the most successful Channel One Hundred One show was Yacht Rock, which sure, literally sure. gave the term gave the term Yacht Rock to, to the us. world, like which is now a serious channel in the summer. Yacht Rock. It's, also it's very a very lonely island. Of, What's that? Very Lonely Island. They didn't do it, but yeah. yeah. But But, yes, it's the Lonely Island brand. It's very Yacht Rocky. Um, Sarah Silverman was in shows there. Jack Black was in shows there after they were like, you know, names and whatnot. And this went on from 2001 to today. You could still go downtown LA once a month, watch these five minute pilots, vote on it in the moment. There's an entire culture wrapped around it. And I think internet comedy was birthed out of Channel 101. I think this is where internet comedy came from. So I don't think it can be understated how important Heat Vision and Jack is, Rob Schraub and Dan Harmon are to the last 20 years of what we do totally in great. this city. Yeah, it's it, it's it's when you put it like that, it's pretty nuts. When you think about like what it's incredible. And and I mean and this might sound more mean than it should, but that's its legacy for sure, like without a question. I just wish the pilot was better. Ooh, no, I'd me, me too. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's like, not that funny. It's just not that great. Like I, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be shitty. I'm really not. Like I, I do think that there's stuff in there. I laughed at a bunch of moments. Yeah, me too. But they were. It's not nothing. It's certainly not nothing. But it's not transcendent. But it, it's not transcendent. Like yeah. I, I thought that the credit sequence was great. I love the impetus of it. I love the yeah. conceit of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the. I know everything. <laughs> It's fantastic. And how sad he is when the sun goes down and he gets stupid again. This movie's – it's actually great. But like (laughs) – But it's not transcendent. It's just not. All right. So so that's that's everything about (laughs) Harmon Schraub, Stiller, making a pilot. What an an unaired pilot just basically means a pilot. They didn't pick up the series. Um, And then it lives in infamy on YouTube these days, sometimes, occasionally. I mean and the only other – 
I can't really think of a lot of other pilots that busted pilots that did busted there. pilots that, that had a little life, like a little culty life. There's one called Nobody's Watching. Yeah, that had a little. Well, because most life. of the time, and this is, I mean, as as people. I'm sure our listeners and fans of television can attest. Most of the time, you'll read stuff about pilots being in development or your favorite thing, perhaps getting, you know, turned into a script or turned yeah. into a thing, gets shot, doesn't go to series. You'll never see that pilot. Like, it's so rare. I mean, Kenny and I, again, when you're in the middle of, of, of staffing season, which is the season when television shows are staffed, which is usually basically the month of April. When we, especially in 99, that's when all the jobs. Right. Because that was broadcast happens. TV. When it, when in, in its, in its quote unquote heyday, uh, that was sort of the the, the chunk, right? 85, so, 90% of jobs are given out in the month of April and May. So what April. happens is all these pilots get shot and then they start to get screened. And then what happens is, or at least this is the way that it used they to used be. They used to give it to us. They used to give us the pilots. <laughs> Which is awesome. So all the pilots would get out into the war, out into the industry anyway. And you would have these, I mean, I remember our video department was just stacks and stacks of DVDs and, and, and you know, of these pilots. I don't miss anything. As much as I miss that, you because you got to watch around, so many things that never that oh, never went. Sitting around and watching the pilots, yeah. like on a weekend, especially in our twenties when we it's had great. no responsibility, yeah. was so awesome. Yeah. That really, like people, you, people think like you know, getting the screeners from the writers guild or whatever, like that's our little perk, nice. and it's dope. It's so it is. It's pretty cool. It is. But getting the pilots before they aired, <laughs> yeah. Like I saw the caveman pilot. Oh, the caveman go to series. Caveman went to series. Yeah, it was serious. I mean. What I, I mean, the pilot. I saw every fucking pilot for five every years. Every pilot for years. You yeah. saw stuff that was, or you saw them early. You know, usually it was early cuts. You had temp right. scores. You yeah. had stuff like that. Sometimes there was recasting. Yeah, I, mean, I saw I, Thirty Rock with Rachel Dratch instead of Jane Krakowski. I saw Parenthood with Maura Tierney instead yeah. of Lauren Graham. Like, it's it's just interesting to be at sort of that fulcrum point yeah. of the development process. Um, but but my point more than anything was pilots just don't get out into the world. You know what I mean? In, in the way a, that. Which is annoying. Which is annoying. Like I've often thought, and I might have even said this to you, but like what I would love, you know, people talk about the hack and, and things that are getting out there. I just want HBO's library of busted pilots to get out into the world because – you want to see like 12 Miles of Bad Road? I want, <laughs> well, I'd love to see the the corrections. I'd love to see yeah, you know the, see the Milch pilots that didn't go or the Catherine Bigelow pilot. Like there's so that, many things that, that – you know. When I was at Entourage, we used to see – I mean I, you know, I saw the Washingtonian pilot. How was that? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, yeah. I love her, the girl Rachel Rachel Taylor. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Who's in uh, Jessica Jones? Mm-hmm. Like, I love her. Like, mm-hmm. I think she. I don't understand why she wasn't a big movie star. Well, because that one, that was shot by uh, what's yeah, by a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's it's just it's it's a really interesting little world or big world, I guess that that most people are not privy to. So what's interesting is it's, that this it's, it's sausage factory. Yeah, you know, it's a sausage factory, and There's, we live in the sausage factory. Hundred percent. And that's you know, why this pilot getting out into the world right. is kind of shocking. And the fact that, you know, we all know that like it, it breaks a bunch of laws, really. If if the studio wanted to scrub it from the internet, they could, but they just they're like, fuck it, we don't care at this point. I'm surprised that like there isn't a a decent version of it. Like the yeah. the, the quality of it is garbage. It yeah. looks like shit. Like you just wish that they just were like, can you put at least like a halfway decent standard definition version just of this for fun. on like Hulu or something just so people have it? I just don't get it. But, but it, it, yeah, it, this this pilot is kind of the only pilot I can think of that that ha- that kind of lives and exists on its own. Exactly. It was reviewed in AV Club, AV Club in twenty yeah, twenty ten. Chunk that I'll read in a sec, but yeah. Um, and I yeah, I, I definitely watched this early on, like uh, you know, as like a budding comedy nerd, comedy writer. It was really a lot of you have to watch this. Also. I love the Sarah Silverman program. Yeah, it was great. Oh, I thought that was such a brilliant show. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, 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 this is a kind of a unique thing, and I guess I, I'm a little more animated than I expected to be because this is what we do. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, this is like Phil and I have never had movies made. We're movie fans, but like yeah. we we've been writing TV for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been in this industry for a fucking long time now to think about, like 15 years, which yeah. is a joke. Too, too long, maybe. It's a joke. And we've been like working writers for like ten years. Also, we love it. Joke, yeah, Uh, yeah. We it's such a joke that we get to do something we love. But like, this is exciting inside baseball stuff for us. So, yeah, it's 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 an opportunity to be able to sort of hopefully, you know, uh, let our listeners in behind the curtain a little bit into sort of the 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 process of it uh, in a way that maybe perhaps you know a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, Um, and and it is sort of, I mean, it's it's funny because I did watch it. And I'm sure you do this too, but like I tried to watch it through sort of two different lenses. There's the 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 
or maybe even three, the viewer, just like trying to have fun with it and just, you know, not really thinking about it. Sure. The writer of like, what, what is this and what are we really trying to say with this? And then the executive, is there a show here? Yeah, yeah. And I just – I'm just not convinced there was really a show here. Like it felt more like a prank than it did – a television show. It felt very inside baseball. You know what I mean? There's definitely that quality of like winking at 80s, late 70s, early 80s, you know, uh, journey shows of a guy and his car, you know, just, you know, and, and some sort of an adventure that they go on each week. And there's a fun in that, but I was just like, I don't see legs in this. The only place that now we should get into what this yeah. show is quote yeah, unquote yeah. about, but the only place that shows like this ever lived were sketch shows, were sketch comedy. Yeah, right. And yeah. this is even like this is even beyond anything that SNL would do. This is Kids in the Hall. Yeah. This is uh, this. I, I threw out three: Kids in the Hall, The State, and the Ben Stiller Show mm-hmm. are the three I can kind of think of that would have done something like this. Or the Dana Carvey Show. Oh, the well, yeah, Dana Carvey shows his own animal, which is like a great, great animal. Did you watch that documentary that they did? No, I got you got to watch that. It, it is unbelievable it's for me. It is made. Yeah, it might be made for you. But but to your point, hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Fox is the only place that I could see maybe entertaining this because Fox as a network did take crazy weird swings more in the half hour space than in the hour space. I think about your arrested developments and your, you know, they, they, they do weird things. The so only, I kind of understood it. The only show even touching this, it's actually beyond this because it's a better show than this. But the only show that's even touching this in terms of tone yeah. that I could think of that actually what the series was Get a Life, which was. The Chris Elliott show, yeah, in the mid '90s, maybe early early to mid '90s. Charlie Kaufman was a writer on it. Um, I don't know if you can even get episodes. I don't know if you can even uh, find it. But um, that show, I would actually say Last Man on Earth a well, little bit. But the, I'm t- that's that's later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking before this. Like, oh, before this. Okay. Yeah, is it like. Are, is there anything that influenced this? And the only thing I can oh, think sure, of sure, is, sure. is Get a Life, yeah, 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 which yeah. I would, if you can find Get a Life specifically the second season, there are episodes that are so fucking gonzo. It's it's one of the, it's one of the, the greatest shows of all time. Really? Oh, it's so good. One episode I, I'm just gonna say the whole fucking show. Chris <laughs> Elliott basically plays a slow adult. He is a uh he's a he's a grown up paper boy. He lives at home with Bill Murray's brother, uh Brian Doyle Murray's his dad. Um Bill Murray's, brother. Bill Murray's brother's his dad. And he's kind of this like grow. He's Chris Elliott. He's mm-hmm. like he's like a cabin boy. He's he's like a grown up child. Uh-huh. And uh, this one episode, which I think is their best episode, um, Chris Elliott can't spell because he just never learned how to spell. Okay. And uh, one episode just goes for a glass of water, and instead of water, out comes this toxic waste. And he's like, ah, looks green today. And he drinks the toxic waste, and the toxic waste turns him into the world's smartest man. Similar to that, eat fish and eject. So what's he going to do with this? With, with is this the, just an episode or is this? just one episode. Okay. It's like a season two episode. This is like the, how they all were. So he one episode. So he just decides, what am I going to do with all this newfound intelligence? I'm going to win the spelling bees. I'm going to go enter into every spelling bee. So he can spell everywhere. And he wins every spelling bee in the yeah. country. He wins the world spelling bee. He wins the spelling bee on the moon. And then, he, and, and then he's like in the universe's spelling bee, right? But as he's in the spelling bee, 
they run out of the uh, toxic waste. He keeps drinking it the whole time, but they run out. So right at the final words, him and another kid, they give him the word that he never could spell, like no matter what. And the word is pants. And <laughs> Chris Elliott's standing up there and he goes, K. <laughs> and he loses the spelling test. And the other thing that I guess I have to point out that's really kind of relevant and important now that just came clear to me, this was produced by David Letterman. This is produced by Worldwide of course, Pants. Of course. And he is an enormous influence on this brand of comedy. I, he was the first anti-comedy guy 100%. that had a big footprint. And uh, even before all this stuff. Did you listen stuff, to his episode of uh, WTF recently? No. It's really good. So he was doing all this. I will. He's doing all this stuff in the 80s, this anti-comedy stuff. And uh, – you know, he's Chris, a big Chris Elliott guy. He produced Cabin yeah. Boy. And Chris, he thought Chris Elliott was the funniest guy. Chris yeah. Elliott, like, really was the funniest guy. Yeah. Chris Elliott really just truly didn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, and just did crazy anti comedy stuff. He's so, kind of proto Tom Green in a weird way. Both of they're very similar, yeah. but and both way before their time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So the, the, the concept of this show or of this pilot, I guess is the more appropriate term, is that Jack Black plays Jack Austin. Uh, a same name as the billion dollar man as, last name as a Steve astronaut whose um, module got too close to the sun and exposed him to if I'm not mistaken uh, there's a specific terminology they use inappropriate amounts an inappropriate <laughs> amount inappropriate of sunshine of solar energy <laughs> Uh, and uh, turns <laughs> and makes him the world. Inappropriate is such a good way to put it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, makes him the world's smartest man, uh, but only when the sun is out uh, or when he's exposed to the sun. Yeah. It is. Uh, his roommate, uh, played by uh, Owen Wilson, only in voice, mm-hmm. not in body, goes to pick him up one day <laughs> at NASA, at NASA <laughs> <laughs> on his motorbike. <laughs> And Ron Silver shoots him with a laser that merges him into the motorbike. Yes, they become one. Ron Silver is kind of like NASA's number one guy. Yeah. Like number one fixer. But he's also or assassin. an assassin, but he's also Ron Silver, the actor. Yeah. So yeah. he acts he acts for fun. He, yeah. It's oh, fantastic. Oh my god. It's, it's fantastic. So, so Basically, Jack must have had so much fun riding this. And and making it, I imagine. So Jack rides heat vision into the into the sunset every day into the horizon. (laughs) This whole show takes place in like a burnt out Southwest American, yeah, Yeah. like 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 desert scape. Like the same kind of place Knight Rider took place. Which is such a hilarious, like Mad Maxi, but American Mad Maxi place for this like vaguely scientific show, vaguely sci fi show. Like that burnt out, like almost like a ET ish kind of. Yes. yes, Or close encounters. Like it has that sort of northern or like the Californian sort of flat. Yeah, it's, it's. It's interesting. The fact that Steven Spielberg grew up in Arizona has made this kind of Southwest America, that and also, I would say that, and Wile E. Coyote, like has made this like uh, Southwestern American land that should mean nothing. Like that, that area is nothing. And I think it's, it's kind of, and I would say also area 51, the nothingness of that area Mm -hmm. uh, in this country um, has kind of become a blank campus where you can put anything on it and it's weirdly interesting i agree so a really re- weirdly compelling but the, um the mojave i guess i mean it, it's hard to say what future episodes would feel like if perhaps they would all have this sort of desert feel it's hard to say this uh pilot starts at episode 14 so it's really hard to say what happened like prior, hope. Yeah. prior to that I know, it's uh like, which I mean, is also funny maybe some, <laughs> someday they do a prequel where we see the 14 episodes that were happened prior to this. I love the idea that it, in the 14th episode, yeah. Jack Austin gives his entire backstory. Well, because like, he says, here we go again. <laughs> he does it every That's episode. every fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> for five, for five minutes, he just barfs up his backstory. For five minutes, you take out for him to tell the backstory of him flying too close to the sun. Which is in the credits. And then he goes, I know everything! <laughs> and with that knowledge, 
he uses a dog whistle to get a dog to give him the keys. I know. He, it's it's that's funny. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. So I'm going to read a little bit of this AV Club. It's not really a review, but it's 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 a it's an article they so did. did about, we set, we set it up right. We set up who yeah, Jack is. It, we set up who Heat Vision is. Yeah, there's the sheriff. The I guess, sheriff who might be a, a returning character. Hard to say. In a small town, the sheriff is Christine Taylor, Taylor, which is like an obvious spoof on like. The beautiful town sheriff, like her hair is that is, a, is that a trope? I don't know. Her hair is so. Good. Her hair is. I mean, she's a she's a very attractive woman. But her oh oh, another thing. This movie birthed this show. Sorry, the show birthed their marriage. They met on this. Oh, did they meet on this? Yes, they I met did, on okay, this. Okay, then that, that makes sense. And, and Christine Taylor, because it was almost Judy Greer. She auditioned for it. Apparently, yeah. Well, I don't, she has nice hair too. Judy Greer <laughs> might have been funnier. I liked Christine Taylor, and I like Christine Taylor. Like I, I but it's kind of she. It's a little bit of like there, one lane. There's something about Christine Taylor's particular brand of beauty mm-hmm. that is also kind of funny. I don't know how to like. She's, I know what you're she's saying. She's almost flawless. Yes, but like she, you know, she kind of rose to prominence playing Marsha Brady, and she's a dead ringer for Marsha Brady, and she's yeah. so funny in that. She's really great, and like great. perfect in that. Like she has this like funniness to her beauty. I can't think of anyone else who's like that I physically that. flawless and also like. Also, like reads funny. I absolutely it's a agree. Hard thing to it's say. It, it, it's it's hard to articulate, but there's there's a a acknowledgement of it. Like she acknowledges not that she's beautiful, but that there's this prototype that she's almost deconstructing. In yeah, some yeah, way, yeah. Which I think is which I think is kind of fun. So the AV Club talked about uh, Heat Vision and Jack at at length, um, but they, there was two paragraphs that I felt sort of really kind of summed up the article. Um, they said there's a touch of the adventures of Buckrai of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension in Heat Vision and Jack's matter of fact depiction of government conspiracies and alien invasions. But the show's clearest front runner in terms of uh, um, inspiration is the work of Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker. Mm. Heat and Vision and Jack's comic sensibility is different. It's more comedy of slack than uh, ZAZ's Hail of Mad Magazine style parody bullets. But like Airplane or Police Squad, Heat Vision and Jack does a simultaneously loving and mocking approach to low-rent entertainment. Uh, the ZAZ trio dined in on the stiffness, stiffness that is, of B-movies and 50s genre television where Harmon and Schraub soak up the corny faux cool of 70s and 80s TV. From Heat Vision and Jack's uh, cheeky, cheekily calling its pilot episode 14 to its use of We'll Be Back After This Bumpers, the show is squarely in the Police Squad tradition. And like Police Squad, Heat Vision and Jack has a reputation as a show that didn't get a fair shake from TV decision makers. It's apt in a way that Heat and Vision Jack never aired on television. Though the pilot is as sturdily built as any of TV shows it's referencing, so much so that it would be enjoyable to watch even without the jokes, it's more an example of the entertainment of the future than the entertainment of 1999. This is where we are now with comedy. People with access to cameras and actors come up with an amusing idea, shoot it in a day or two, upload it to the internet, and watch it become a sensation for a week before the public moves on to something else. I do think that second paragraph is perhaps maybe more pertinent than the first. Uh, the, the thing about the first paragraph, it's just... It puts a fine point on that they didn't have the language yes. to talk about this. Yeah. If you, like if you, this is only so in the most general sense related to airplane and police squad and naked gun and those type of things. It's nothing like those movies. It's not really that much of a parody. Like it's it's going – it is and it isn't. Like it's, it's, a, it's an homage. It's a satire. But it's really just absurdist yeah. anti-comedy. Well, it, 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 it's also, it, I mean, I hate to say sort of, but it is deconstructing that again. It is, it is. It is picking it apart and sort of shining a light into all these weird nooks and crannies that existed in that, in that oeuvre of television. The big difference between the airplanes and the naked guns yeah. is they take what they've been given from movies of the 50s, 60s, 70s or TV shows, 50s, 60s, and they're building on top of it. Yeah. They're making it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. They're making the jokes bigger and they're... This is not doing that. No. This is this is cutting off the knees yeah. of the things that they um that they're referencing, deconstructing it, it. Totally. Yeah. Deconstructing it and building up something in new yeah. that didn't exist before. Because this isn't just like let's do let's do Night Rider, but like with fart jokes. Right. You know? This is And then NBC makes a Night Rider reboot like with fart jokes. But <laughs> well, well, I mean like five years later. And that's I, and I don't want to shit on Naked Gun. Obviously it's amazing. Like in its own way. It's just a different thing. But that's really what it is. It's yeah. like, yeah, what if we do like a what if we do a police movie, but like, you know, also like have weird psychics? Well, it's like this isn't a parody. 
This is its own it's thing. Not a parody. You know what I mean? Like, and not to take anything away from parodies. Like, I think that Zachary Abrams and Zachary did a great job of of as Mel Brooks. Like, any number of people have done brilliant parodies right. of things. This is its own animal. It's much more dangerous than those movies. Yes. Well, because yes, this is going to the next level. You could get a you you can get accused of being disrespectful with this. We're saying sure. they do it lovingly, and I think they do. I do too. Um, and I think that's very clear. But you could be accused of being like disrespectful. Uh, the, and I think that's been a, been a concern with Harmon's entire career. Yeah. Where if you look at his stuff the wrong way, you don't actually you don't actually think about what he's doing. You know, he could very easily turn into Trey and Matt. Now Trey and Matt own what they do. Happy to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's actually kind of their modus operandi. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of a dangerous lane to play in, for sure. And I don't, I don't get the impression that like, that's just not. It it turned a little more into Harmon's brand moving forward, but this particular pilot doesn't do that. I don't think it's it's certainly not Ben Stiller's brand. You know what I mean? He when he's poking fun, it's it's done with love. I, I don't get the impression that it's done with malice. No, I think Tropic Thunder is more of a parody yes for instance that is that definitely feels like a parody it's a little Whereas, dangerous like, when community but not does really. its, right but when community does its episodes where it skewers a thing harman's got his knives sharpened in a way that i feel is a little right yeah and he uses yeah. like which is more dangerous and, and to, to and to my point about yeah. Harmon and his intent he uses these episodes like he does that whole stop motion animation yeah. about christmas Right? It's a great episode. It's an amazing episode. It's an amazing episode, not because he's making fun of like the Rudolph the Red Reindeer's reindeer episodes that we have nothing to do with. It's because he's using that as a device to talk about mental illness, mel- mental illness, and, yeah. and and Abed's you know kind of detachment view of from the reality. world, yeah. detachment from reality, and yeah. how this like community is bring has 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 made his life a little more complete than yeah. it was. Yeah. He, same with it's the brilliant. paintball stuff. Yeah, it's brilliant. Like same with everything he did. It's never same with even the drug dealing stuff. I mean the chicken finger dealing yeah. stuff, right? It's never – The Goodfellas episode. Yeah, the Goodfellas yeah. episode. It's never just to say like this is our Goodfellas episode. It's to say this is this, this is how you're going to get to know these characters better. Well, it's, it's, it's an understanding of the language of television or pop culture mm-hmm. and being able to understand that I get that if I bake this idea into this thing – You'll understand it because like me, you understand these pop culture references, which is the brilliance of Dan Harmon, the brilliance of community maybe specifically, but the brilliance of him. He does it a little bit on Rick and Morty, which is who knows how much it's Royland and how much it's him. I think it might be more Royland than Harmon. But all that being said, there is that brilliance of, you know, Goodfellas. So I'm going to do chicken fingers and I'm going to talk about family amongst all of that. It's, it's, It's really, really brilliant. I mean – and you see shades of that in this, but this does feel like – this doesn't feel like the, the, the pure Harmon shit. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't have the danger that you're talking about. This is the, this is the let's test out the – how absurd we can get. Yeah. The, you know, let's, let's test out like what they'll let us do. Yeah. But is there something kind of like – is there a, a beating heart at the core of this? No. And the obvious beating, the obvious beating yeah. heart should be the relationship between Jack – Heat Vision and Jack. It's not there. It's not there, and could you imagine? I mean, if Harmon did this today, yeah. and there've been there've been whispers of a movie, there's been whispers of an animated, there's an animated series, show, yeah, Harmon. If he did it today, it yeah. would be the story of a man caught inside a motorcycle. It would be a fucking Forky situation, yeah. right? It would, and I mean, I say this as as the having not seen Forky. Yet, I mean, but. Toy Story opens in like three days, and we're both going to see it this weekend, and I I can't even handle what it's going to do to me. Kenny's been texting me about the emotional preparedness that he has for this film. Oh, it's unbelievable! But but my my understanding is basically Forky is an existential spork. Yeah, and the, the, are we all though? You and I are, and <laughs> a bunch of Forkies, and uh, and. He visioned it, you know, could be a really funny, but also really interesting character. Like what it means to be sentient, to exist, to be alive, to be a different form from your best friend, to be, you know, for Jack Black's character, there before the grace of God go, I, all that stuff. And on top of that, like I'm a big sucker for the notion, like I'm a big sucker for the idea of a superhero whose superhero powers wear off at some point. So I like that someone is, Invulnerable and then like the vulnerable. 
the the Hulk is an example. I mean, um, I you know it's like it's like my get, it's like my get a life thing. Like that's that's it kind is. of thrilling yeah. to me because when he runs out of, I believe they called it at some point mutant ooze, which I just loved. When he runs out of the mutant ooze, he's done. He's back to being the paper boy. Well, you, you you hit on something that I think is maybe perhaps the the, the biggest missed opportunity of the pilot, and it and it is the Heat Vision character. Mm-hmm. Um, it it never fully. For, for putting aside the fact that like the ADR is very strange, mm-hmm. um, it does and it sounds like it isn't coming from the motorbike. Yeah, yeah totally. But that, but all that being said, uh, it it never the jokes don't land as hard as I thought they were going to, and the and the heart doesn't land in the way either. That character, to your point, like really needed to come to life. And instead, it it was more like ha the talking motorbike. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't yeah. it be funny? And it, and and that that that's a bummer for me. I will say too, as I texted you about the the fact that Owen Wilson also voices Lightning McQueen it's in Cars, and now he's speaking for this motorbike. It did make me laugh. You've seen like the Unified Pixar theory, right? Unified, yeah, unified. it's all part of a one universe. It's amazing. It's amazing. I wonder if they'll ever actually do it's, it. I hope they don't, but it's true. Yeah. And it, the only thing that makes sense, like it's like don't American Horror Story it, just like don't don't acknowledge it. They, they yeah, because they do like the American Horror Story like yeah. little strings. Yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah. it's it's there if you look. It's kind of amazing. But uh, but but it, yeah, I mean, I, like it, that theory is the only thing that makes Cars watchable. <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I've I've never seen Cars two and three. I saw Cars one in theaters. Uh, I've seen three. And uh, do you agree with Griffin's Cars two makes Cars three look like Cars one? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I've I've had cars two on in a room I've been in, <laughs> but I don't believe I've ever taken in anything from cars sure, two. Sure, fair, but yeah, it's I think that that's maybe the 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 salient thing for me. Like as I was watching, trying to break down like where could this have been fixed or where what, what are the weaknesses and why didn't this go to series? That's kind of that's the thing that I kind of laser in on. It would be really nice if they repiloted this. Yeah. Today and they did it the way we're talking about because now I mean I I think it I, this is so stupid but I really believe it in a post Forky universe <laughs> like you're gonna see a we're gonna see a lot of this kind of stuff you would a think lo- a lot of grab and you know there's there's Forky's coming in an interesting time not to make this a Toy Story four podcast for a movie you haven't seen Forky is coming to us but I not me personally but like a lot of people I think are dealing with. What it means to be human, what it means to be sentient, um, specifically because of AI sure. and also the existential threat that we think Trump kind of poses. And I mean that, you know, yeah. in terms of nuclear war, but also the environment, right? Like Pete Buttigieg keeps talking about 2050 vision. Like a lot of people are like, are we even going to exist in 2050? Right? Yeah. So what does that mean? What does that look like? And I think Forky in Toy Story 4 – a talking spork made by Bonnie at school, <laughs> I think, uh, speaks to that. And I think – and I also – so I think like today you make Heat Vision and Jack <laughs> and you get to the core of what I think is a real possibility, which is that we will be integrated with machines. And what does that mean? I'm 100% right. You heard it here first, guys. But I'm telling you, this is no, what actually we I, I, had I with Griffin in the room where you're just like an existential spork. Now no, no, everybody no, I, is I, talking I just, about I, it. I like that in two moves, you went from Trump to Forky to us being cyborgs. I'm pretty good at that. Um, everyone was like, every, everyone was like, oh my God, Forky's going to be the end of Toy Story, the end of humanity. For, like, fuck Forky. Right, and I was like, "Give Forky a chance." You and Griff, you guys were you give guys? Forky a chance. No, Griff was like, "I'm nervous about the Forky of it." But he was I, still. I, I mean, like, he said, "If they do what I think they're doing, which apparently they've done, yeah. which I have total faith in them to do, they're the only people who could do it." Yeah. Everyone's afraid of talking about this shit. I kind of want to get a Forky now. You like, mean like like a, a toy Forky? They don't look great. They're like really? plastic. Yeah, you can't like get one that looks like a spoon and a and a thing. You want to eat with it? No, I mean like, <laughs> I mean like, I make want to it get out fork. of the pieces that that oh, are. You want to make a forky? I'm saying like, why aren't they selling that with like a pipe cleaner and fucking googly eyes make and your a own fork? forky? Like we, that's what forky should be. Making your own forky just gave me anxiety. Okay, right. what so, if it becomes sentient? Um, we, <laughs> so I, we're I, gonna have to talk about. We might have to do a emergency uh, pod on on Toy Story. We 4. can do that. I'm I'm game I to think, do that. I mean. This forky shit's fucking me up, but it's not. It's not totally. It's not totally irrelevant. Heat Vision is a Heat fucking is forky. character. No, I agree. Who got sucked into a motorcycle? I agree. And now has it 
if they did it the right way, and I think they could do it today, and you really get into what it means to be a person who is now part of a machine, the way fucking RoboCop did, for instance. Like, this is not a new concept. Ex Machina. Like, there is something here that you could actually you could actually uh, interrogate yeah. in this form and have fun. And then on top of it, you have the Jack Black character. And frankly, Jack Black's kind of in this point of his career where you can do this. It would be good. I, I want Hate Vision and Jack to come back. Well, okay. So speaking of that, there's, gonna, an, anima- there's an animated version that is in development. Harmon. <laughs> I don't want that. Harmon and Shrub are not involved. Harmon posted on Reddit this reply to someone asking about that. He said, they're trying to develop a Heat Vision and Jack cartoon right now, I believe. Schraub and I kind of sold the idea to a studio, but after a while, we backed out of it creatively, and they hired writers to take it over because it felt like they wanted Bob's Burgers, but with a motorcycle. So Schraub and I, who have lots of stuff to work on, came to the conclusion that a good version of Heat and Vision and Jack might actually be in the Eagle Heart vein at Adult Swim. Something relatively low budget, but allowed to be its own thing tonally. I don't think we could expect Jack Black and Owen Wilson to line up for that gig, but I think they but I think they have better things to do. And I think doing Heat Vision and Jack is a brand new live action series that recalls the epic TV from my childhood. That's the way to do it without wasting the idea of something that might as well be sent anything else. I think that's it. I mean that's the right Of course Harmon, it's his thing. Of he course he it. of course he gets it. He gets like it. of yeah. course he gets and and like any artist you and I have been in the situation where we know what the best version of what we're pitching is. Yeah. And we're not really in the position to to say, well, your version just won't be as good as the version we're we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. We kind of just have to deal with it. But Harmon doesn't have to deal with that anymore. I agree. You know? And I, and, and I think he probably looks at an animated version the way I look at it, frankly, which is just like, that's not going to give us what we want. That's yeah. not going to unlock its potential. No, I mean, I think, Yeah. I mean, it's it's possible that you know that we've just sort of that they had their moment and that they've they've left their impression and they've left you know they 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 changed the industry for, and that's their legacy, um, you know, and that that's fine. I, I think that you know, in terms of the the sort of the mechanics of this of this plot or of this pilot, it, it's it's weird because like when it started. And you've got uh, you've got Vincent Chiavelli playing Frank, this chef in this rundown diner whose radio is malfunctioning. Yeah. And then he hits it with a frying pan and he gets like electrocuted or some sort of like – he turns green. Like it almost felt Lynchian in the beginning. A little bit. It was just bit. like what the fuck is going on here? And then we realize – you know, then we meet our credit – we have our credit sequence with Jack with the great Tom Jones song playing over it and – um, and there's just some real fun in the way that they like introduce the characters, the shot of Jack, and then the shot behind him of the motorcycle in the in the oh, spotlights and the credit sequence. It's like it's the really motorcycle fun. looking to the camera. It's fantastic and when like, his credit comes up and all the E equals MC squared. Yeah, it's stuff. fantastic. Like the like the the shorthand they use for like brilliant genius yeah. is putting E C. E equals MC squared yeah. all over the place and having like a picture of Stephen Hawking. I was going to say, it was like people in wheelchairs. Like geniuses, like, like yeah, Stephen yeah. Hawking. Just you have, you have <laughs> Jack Black in the middle of it yelling, I know everything. And it's fantastic. It's really, really fucking It's good. really good. It's, it's straight out of Vaporwave. Like it's that's what true. Vaporwave looks like ben 20 years later. Ben Hosley would love this pilot. Ben, if you're listening, if you're listening as I know you, should, you do. <laughs> I think you should definitely watch this. Watch this. There is a moment in it, and it's such a throwaway thing, but it might have given me the biggest laugh in this pilot, which is – so uh, Jack pulls up to a gas station to fill up heat vision and notices there's like an abandoned diner sort of situation. And he walks in there and he starts investigating. And then heat vision just like – Rolls through the front door, <laughs> yeah. talking about how they shouldn't be fighting. Yeah, and there's just something about the way that he comes in, like a person wheeling through like the a, front it's door like out of Westworld. It's West just fucking, it's, it's, it's just fucking really, great. Yeah. And I was just like, there's something visually so like that's the goods. Yeah, and they just don't get it all the time. Yeah. Like in the fight when later in the pilot. Jack is getting attacked by Frank and the motorcycle the heat vision like rears up on its back wheel and hits the guy with his front wheel. But then the guy just like pushes over the motorbike. Like it's just such a, it's so weird. It's hard to really pinpoint what's good and bad about it. And, and like it, you, you can't get, so basically Vincent Chiavelli like disintegrates people by looking at them with, with his, his green, green eyes. eyes. Yeah. And so Jack Black covers his uh, eyes with the bra of a stripper, which is Obviously. Like not the greatest joke. 
But it leads to like a very good joke, which is like Owen Wilson or Heat Vision saying, I'll be your eyes. Yeah. And then he's like, he's, he's telling him what to do in, during the block fight. left, block right, block, block left, block, block right. right. Yeah. There's this, there's a pole behind you. Yeah. Use it. I mean, uh, I'll be your eyes when he has no, no eyes. eyes. It's, it's fantastic. Funny. I mean, there's good stuff there. Like I would, you know, and, and we'll get to our rating in a second, but there's a part of me that's just like, it's, it's like what you were saying. It's so, it's, it's a prototype. And and that people prototype. saw this right. and they're like, oh, okay, it, it's it's you know it's version one and then you're we've seen we're probably version I don't know fifty at this point, but like that's I think it's brilliant. So I don't necessarily like when you talk about like wanting it wanting it to come back or be, it's like why it did what it it did it inspired people and people were able to pull the things away from it that were great. Like to me, it's like if whoever the fuck decides to make this animated show of it, it's not going to be Harmon. It's not going to be Schraub. Really? What's the point? It's, it's just sort of well, like I only want Harmon to do it. Right. But, and in Schraub, but, um, like a stop motion version of it would be hilarious. I would, I'd watch that uh, live action. It, it just has to be it, it, because I mean, the reason I want it so badly right now is because I'm just seeing the potential. It's like the Forky yeah. thing. Like I'm see- That's true. You know, it's like when you when you kind of see the potential of some pro- of some um some property. Yeah. You know, it like even like the MCU, like when that was first kind of announced or the seeds were planted and I saw the potential of like a 20 movie series yeah. that was interconnected. Yeah. It's so exciting and you can't do it any other way. So the idea of this could be cribbed by someone else. It's sure. not hard to, you know, do another Knight Rider spoof and then, you know, really kind of integrate, you know, interrogate what it means to be alive through the, mm-hmm. but it's here. Yeah. It's already here. It's true. Um, all right. Should we, uh, yeah, should we, we, well, I just, I guess I just want to, one last thing that I'd like to tap into, which is what were your thoughts on the opening? What was the opening? The Ben Stiller Emmy thing at the top of it where he starts talking. Oh, about- I thought it was lame. Yeah, I, I I don't love smug Ben Stiller. No, I don't either. I I don't even actually really love um super ben broad Stiller? Ben Stiller. I do like Ben Stiller. I like straight man Ben Stiller. That's what I like. I like nerdy Ben Stiller. I think there's something about Mary is my favorite type of Ben Me Stiller. Too. Um, so when or he World Tenenbaums. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When grounded Ben Stiller is the best one, and I would actually say, I, as I mentioned, I really like the Cable Guy. I, I haven't seen Walter Smitty, um, but like as a filmmaker, Walter I think. Mitty. Whatever, um, Mitty. So sure. important. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but I think I think he's a, I think he's a good director. I don't think he doesn't much. I haven't seen. Um, I gotta watch Danamora. That's why I've heard yeah. it's great. So again, like I think he's. I like Ben Stiller. I, I meet the parents. Like I think that Ben Stiller. Yeah, can straight be man. Great. Ben Stiller is actually. Yeah, I don't like Ben. This this opening was just like, oh, you're so pleased with yourself right now. Like, yeah. what are you doing? He does that a lot. And then even it's when he shows up at this DJ, he's just so broad. I was just like, yeah. I'm not into this. But I love him when he's when he's in a in a lane that he's done a lot. So like, you know, like some people really like that White Goodman character, right? Dodgeball yeah. character. That's just I not don't for like me. That. It's not for me either. I don't believe that to be a real character. I don't know where he's coming from. But I like yeah. Zoolander. There's a tenderness to Zoolander. That's true. There is. You know, he can. He yeah. I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that he directed it. And I don't, I don't say that to – I mean in the sense that like dodgeball is such a broad – like it's funny. When we were talking on our previous episode, Jason Bateman came up on the Simon Says thing and I thought about Jason Bateman in dodgeball and he's fucking hilarious he's in, dodgeball. Funny in dodgeball. He stands out in that cast as really, really funny. That movie is just so cartoonish. The director is going for so broad. Yeah, I don't love that Vince movie. is just the straight guy and everyone else is a fucking cartoon character. Uh, but – you know, but he's great as Zoolander. I wonder because maybe to your point, there's a tenderness that he understands about it. He's a great low status guy. He's a shitty high status guy. Yeah, yeah. and that's all it comes down to. He's yeah. a, he he needs to be someone who has something to prove. Yeah, um, and if he doesn't, I don't want to be do anywhere have, near him. Do we have a Ben Stiller movie in '99? Yeah, we did it, Mystery Man. Is that it? Well, I don't know if there's another, but we did Mystery. We Man. did do Mystery Man, and uh, he he did give us he gave us that, and I liked him. He was low status. He had something to prove. Um, yeah, I mean, showing his emotions. His emotion happened to be anger or fury, but I don't know what the Suburbans is. But I guess we're going to be covering it. You sure? It's in '99. I don't know what it is. Uh, but okay. all right, we'll see you all back here for the Suburbans next week. Oh yeah, look at this thing. We're going to definitely have to. We're definitely going to have to watch this. Jennifer Love Hewitt, Greg. Yeah, Will Ferrell's in it. Oh, I love this. I love this concept. Too Amy bad. Brenneman. It's my kind of concept. Yeah, we're gonna have to do that one. That'll really be that'll a, be something. Really had a theatrical release. 
We have to do it. We do. We do. <laughs> we made five thousand dollars at the box office in nineteen ninety nine. I love the the resigned. I guess we're doing this. It's eighty one minutes. We could do it next week. We yeah, could do, we could do it right now. He's also in the video for Smash Mouth All Star. All right. Let's, uh, uh, let's yeah. So zero to ninety nine. You go first. Uh, Free podcast. I gave it a sixty three before the podcast. Um, I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up to 75. Um, that feels right to me. I think we laughed a lot thinking about it. I think it was funnier than I, than I remembered. Um, I'm not even giving it bonus points for the influence. Yeah. I just think it was great. And the reason it's not higher is because it could have been transcended. Yep. I, I, I had a 68 pre podcast and I'm pretty much at the same as you. I would, I'd give it sort of, you know, mid seventies at this point. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it was one of those things where I was like, could have been amazing. Understand who saw it and was influenced by it and why. Um, and talking about it again, got some good laughs out of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a really interesting moment uh, that people should people should check it out. It's you know it's thirty minutes. You can find it on uh, on Daily Motion or uh, or YouTube. And it's you know it's a fun thing. So it's a fun thing. It's a it's a it's a fun artifact. It's a yeah. It's it's a yeah. I, I'm 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 obviously I'm glad it exists because of everything that it's given us. Right. Um. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Next week, we are doing payback. Payback. <laughs> the, it's a bitch. <laughs> the, uh, the Mel Gibson <laughs> joint. Uh, Brian Helgeland. Uh, we have Ben Acker coming on to talk about it with us. Um, we're gonna talk about. We're going to talk about both cuts, but we're going to primarily talk about the director's cut. I didn't watch the non-director's cut. Uh, I, I did. All right. So uh, as did, as did Ben. It. I'll fake it. I mean – Did Ben watch both? Yes. Great. Um, so, yeah. I, I think that – I mean we're mostly going to be talking about the director's cut, which uh, which is on iTunes. Everyone can check it out. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a – I don't know, fucking noirish sort of it's – it's an interesting movie. I think it's better than than I think the director's cut gives it more credence than its theatrical cut. We'll talk Mel Gibson and all that, you know, entails to a certain degree. And uh, yeah, it's payback. <laughs> it's a bitch. Um, I think that the uh, director's cut was good, and I think that the theatrical cut, what I which I we were we were going to do this about a year ago, so I watched the. <laughs> Theatrical. I watched the theatrical cut back then, yeah. and I uh, thought it was awful. How much of it did you watch? At least an hour. Oh wow. Okay. So, yeah. so you can talk about because here's the thing, and we'll talk about this in the episode. But fundamentally, the only real difference is the opening and the closing. Voiceover. Yes, but the voiceover goes away after the. It's literally just in the book. But the tone too. I, I know, but I'm, I'm saying that you can speak to no, speak the to, differences. I'll just yeah, fake it. Yeah. I'll, you know, I fake it on this podcast all the time. So I, but I think that to me, yes. the most interesting conversation is the conversation of ownership of yes. who gets to make the decisions yes. and the effect that that has on 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 one the film, but also on people's careers. Yeah. I think if this gets made in 1999 and or gets released in 1999 instead of the version that was actually released we might look at mel gibson in a different way and definitely <coughs> brian helgeland in a different way yeah i mean we can we'll, we'll unpack that with ben i think that that's a that's a totally interesting notion i, I think that it's you know it, it really ultimately and we'll talk about this on the on the episode but ultimately it comes down to um when you hire someone to direct a script that you read and then all of a sudden you're like but 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 it's like no 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 you, it's you know yeah, <coughs> this is what you paid for. So anyway, um, that was cool. <coughs> not just me. not just movies anymore, guys. Not just movies. Get ready. Yep. Buckle up. Uh, I'm at PM Miskov on Instagram and Twitter. We are at podcast like 1999. Please rate, review, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Podcast like it's just podcast like it's podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it's.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.